moms today in the Bible that brought hope to the world. All right, you guys ready? All right, here we go. Number one, the faith-filled mom. Can you turn my mic down just a little bit, please? It's a little loud. Faith-filled mom. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says this, I remember your genuine faith. This is the Apostle Paul talking to his son in the faith, Timothy. I remember your genuine faith, Timothy, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I know the same faith continues strong in you. How many times have you heard people talk about generational curses? You've heard about them. You've read books about them, right? You've heard sermons about them. You've prayed against them. Anybody here heard about generational curses? Like the behavior of your parents, the behavior of your grandparents, the addictions of those that came before you, the sins of the father being passed to the children, right? We all heard about that. What about generational blessings? Do those pass down too? Everybody say, thank God. I mean, I just, you know, I, I don't sleep well thinking about how my weaknesses are going to be, are going to afflict my children, right? It's like, oh my gosh, they're going to have to, they're going to have to deal with my stuff. I don't want my stuff being passed down to the next generation. Do you? Well, some of it will, and I just sometimes say to my kids, well, you'll be in adult counseling for that, sorry. (laughs) But generational blessings get passed down too. The good parts of you. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, your child got the best of both of you? Ever heard that phrase before? Like they meet a child, and they know you, and they know your husband or wife, and they see these strengths in your child. I just, somebody said that to me just this last week. I had one of my children call up a friend for counsel. Uh, financial uh, advice, and he texted me and said, boy, she got the best of both you and Hope. Boy, I need to hear that. (laughs) It's good news. Well, here, it literally says that faith gets passed down, right? I think I see two moms right here. I see um, Kathy Whitson and her daughter, Kirsten. And Kirsten has Kathy's prophetic gift. Huh? What did I say? Okay. I had my daughter contact Rod Whitson, who is a friend, and his, his wife's name's Kathy. And now we have Gary and Kathy Mancini in the house, and, and your daughter's name is Kristen. Kirsten. Kristen's out sitting in the back, because she and I just had a conversation. Wow! Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Good morning, online community. We're in a message of hope today. And today we're going to talk about moms of hope. Early on, I recognized uh, the, the gifts in that mom passing to that mom. And that mom has a book out front that she just wrote that's a fantastic book called More. And you want to pick it up and hear what that mom has to say. All right, so faith gets passed from generation to generation. Part of this process, moms and I'm speaking about everybody that has a generation beneath you. Part of the process isn't just natural, which is wonderful that our kids get the best of us, but it's also proactive. 
Look at these two verses here. This is why Paul talking to Timothy again. This is why I remind you, I remind you, fan and fan in the flames, the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Moms, lay hands on your children. Whether they like it or not, just get your hands on them and bless them. This is what Jacob did to his 12, his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. He laid hands on them and he blessed them. And what he prophesied over them literally came to pass in their life. You can read it. You can read it in the Bible. What he prophesied is what ended up happening in their lives. Prophesy good things over your children. Look what he says regarding prophecy in 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, again to Timothy, the grandson of Lois and Eunice, the mother of Eunice. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Look, your kids are going to screw up all the time especially between the ages of zero and 25. Mistake after mistake after mistake. Their frontal lobe's not even fully developed yet, all right? So they're going to be making decisions that aren't the wisest. So look, I'm not throwing them under the bus. Mom, I am so sorry. My mom's watching online. She's part of our online community. I need to do that on Mother's Day. Because when I think back about me as a teenager, Wow. Do I owe her for eternity? But if all we do is correct our children, we will demoralize them. Everybody needs hope. They need encouragement. They need affirmation. They need to be told what they are doing right. And moms, you have such power. Your voice, the look in your eyes, the touch of your hand, your presence, your affirmations. All of us need nine encouragements for one criticism. Do you know that? Psychologists say that. So if all you're doing is criticizing, 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 you're breaking them down. You are their greatest source of hope on the planet. A mom speaking, prophesy into your children what you see in them, how God's designed them, their gifts, their talents, their strengths, and lay your hands on them and transfer spiritual gifts into them. Okay, that's the first one. The first mom of hope is the faith-filled mom. Second mom of hope is the warrior mom. We got any warrior moms in here? Huh? All right. We like to call them mama bears. But I'll tell you what, in the spirit realm, woo! like one preacher said, if you got a praying mama, you might as well just give up. Just come on to church. Come on into the faith because you're going to be miserable until you get saved. One, of my, one preacher said to God one day, why did you call me? Like, I am so undeserving. This guy was, he was demon-possessed of his own testimony. He was a drug-dealing, demon-possessed, nasty human being. And God you called him and used him to preach around the world. Millions have come to Christ. And he asked the Lord one day, why did you call me? He said, because your mother was in my face every day. <laughs> Warrior mom. Huh? Here's warrior mom, Judges 5, 7 through 9. There was no warriors in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose to be a mother to Israel. At that time, they chose to follow new gods. Because of this, enemies fought us at our city gates. No one could find a shield or a spear among the 40,000 people of Israel. They had been so demoralized and oppressed by the enemy 
that Israel, God's people, lived in villages. There was no sword. There were no shields. They had no weaponry. They had no defense. They had no offense. They were so terrorized, they wouldn't even go out on the open roads because of the way that their women would be mishandled and mistreated and that they themselves would be murdered and killed. So they were living in fear. And there is no hope in Israel until a mama bear. She was a prophetess, and God spoke to her and said, call so-and-so, a captain of the army, and tell him that I am going to bring deliverance to Israel. So God spoke to a mom to, and to prophesy to one of the leaders of the country. And he believed her. But what he said was, I'm not going out to battle without you. And she said, well, if that's the case, then the glory is going to go to a woman and not a man. He said, I'm good with that. She said, all right, let's go. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. She says this, my heart is with the commanders of Israel. They volunteered freely from among the people. Praise the Lord. Now, Israel had no hope. We are in a series on hope. They had no hope. They were going up against an army that had, that was the, mo- had the most advanced technology and war equipment on the planet. They had 900 iron chariots. Iron chariots. Nobody had an iron chariot. This is cutting-edge technology. They had hundreds of thousands of soldiers. Israel didn't even have a shield or a sword. Ever felt that way before in life? Ever felt that way? You were hopeless. You were defenseless. You don't have the resources. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the help you need. And life is just overwhelming. There is no way out of this situation. This is the way they were. But when God prophesies, when God speaks and somebody believes it, and they stand up and they prophesy into the situation, like Deborah did. It doesn't matter if they have 5,000 iron chariots if God has spoken. It doesn't matter. He's not intimidated by 900 iron chariots. See, Jesus went, but Father, don't you see? They have 900 iron chariots. And the Holy Spirit's like, I'm not going down there. You know? I'm... No, God just needs somebody in the earth to say, yes, Lord. And this one, this time, and this one was a mama. The mother, she, she, sang, she wrote this song. She wrote a song. I, Deborah, the mother of Israel, stood up. So how did that happen? What happened? See, so often when we're in a hopeless situation, we try to figure out how we can get out of the situation. And when we cannot figure it out, with our own wisdom and ingenuity and intellect and data that's available to us at hand, and we cannot figure out how to get out or through the situation, we give up hope. But we forget about the God of hope. See, the God of hope doesn't need to name himself the God of hope or give us hope unless there is no hope in the earth. Faith, faith is only needed when faith is needed. And faith is only needed when there is no way for it to happen in the natural. That's what faith is for. That's why it's called a supernatural. It's beyond the natural. So we as people of faith, when we come up against a hopeless situation, should never run out of hope. Because we're in relationship with who? You better say it or I'm going to start the sermon all over again. There you go. Rick says, please don't. All right. We're talking about who? The God of hope. That's right. So what's he do? 
Well, these chariots come out into the battlefield and God just creates a torrential downpour and the chariots get stuck in the mud. And they freaked out and they fled. And so Israel chases them. The captain of the army, Sisera, runs into a village. This woman says, oh, come hide in my tent. So he hides in her tent. She gives him a little milk. He takes a nap. She takes a tent peg and a hammer and goes, bam, right through his temple. JL, another woman, drives a tent, a, a tent peg through the temple of the general of the enemy's army. I'm saying women are bad to the bone. You know what I'm talking about? You don't want to make one of them mad, huh? <laughs> and Rick says, or go to sleep. He's not going to sleep well from this day forward. <laughs> He's going to sleep with one eye open. <laughs> All right, so we, got, we have the, uh, what moms have we covered here? Faith-filled mom. Hey, mom, how many of you moms have faith? All right. Be, be, understand that that faith is going to pass down to your children. The next mom was the woo, who? The warrior mom. Now we have the wise mom. These are moms of hope. The wise mom. Proverbs 31.1. The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother gave him. That's where we get the Proverbs 31 woman from. This wasn't a man writing about the perfect woman. This was a woman talking about what a woman of God looks like. And it's the wisdom of a mom. The whole book of Proverbs, the uh, wisdom in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is given a feminine pronoun. It doesn't mean that wisdom is feminine, but women, moms in particular, have profound wisdom. I've said from day one, I met Hope. She is the book of Proverbs just walking around. And she's beautiful. The beautiful book of Proverbs. Isn't, isn't it wonderful having Hope in the house today? When my kids, you know, want nurturing, they'll come to me. If they want to know what to do, they go to her. She just, because they'll say, Mom, I got this situation. And then she goes, well, stop it. Yeah, but they get new friends. I mean, she's just like, isn't that right? David's just bottom line, black and white. Stop it, do it, change it. You know, simple. It's just the book of Proverbs, man. She just bottom lines. Proverbs 6, 20 through 23. Son, do not, uh, son, do what your father tells you and never forget what your mother taught you. You see, so often we attribute the book of Proverbs to Solomon, but we have to remember these are Proverbs that his mom and dad taught him throughout his childhood until he was about 20 years old when he became king of Israel. So all these, the whole book of Proverbs is full of wisdom. It's my favorite book. When I went to Bible college, I would go into my room, I'd close the door, and I'd literally memorize the book of Proverbs. I memorized the first six chapters of the book of Proverbs, and then tons of Proverbs after that. And as I was memorizing the book of Proverbs, I could feel God's wisdom literally pouring into me. It's my favorite book in the Bible. You've got to have wisdom in this life, because this life is broken. Relationships are hard. Managing life. It's challenging. There's enigmas. And, I mean, do you know who gets promoted at work above anybody else? It's not even the hard worker. It's the person that can solve problems. Problem solvers get promoted. 
because it relieves the, the, the company of, of uh, problems. Wasn't that profound? <laughs> Son, do what your father tells you and never forget what your mother taught you. Keep their words with you always locked in your heart. Their teaching will lead you when you travel, protect you at night, and advise you during the day. Their instructions are shining light, and correction can teach you how to live. So, the book of Proverbs were, were wise sayings that Solomon's mom and dad gave to him. Don, do you know who Solomon's mom and dad were? David and who? Bathsheba. They had a rocky start, didn't they? <laughs> adultery, first-degree murder, covering up adultery and first-degree murder, repentance, the death of their first son because of the adultery and first-degree murder, and then Solomon. You see, your beginning may have been messy, but God is bigger than your mess. God is redemptive. He takes King David, who committed one of the most heinous crimes in the entire Bible. He steals another man's wife. I don't know if she had a choice or not. I mean, he's the king. He wanted her. I don't know if she was complicit or, or, or what. It doesn't matter. I mean, the whole thing was just a mess. And yet God sees the mess. Moms, maybe you were in a situation that was beyond your control. Maybe it was filled with sin or brokenness or, or you were mistreated, mishandled, or you, you uh, made big mistakes and you end up in the situation. God is bigger than your situation. The Bible says where sin abounds, what? Grace much more abounds. God takes our messes and he makes miracles. He's incredible. So out of this couple comes the wisest man the human race has ever known besides Jesus himself. That's our God. Amen? Amen. So moms, even if your beginning was messy, God will still fill you with His wisdom for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And He will pour His wisdom through you to the next generation. Sometimes it's what not to do. Right? That's where some of the greatest wisdom comes from. Like this one guy who got an audience with a CEO and he's, he worked in the mailroom and he got an audience with the CEO and he said, Sir, um, how, do you, how did you get so successful? He said, by making right decisions. He goes, oh, thank you. And he leaves. About six months later, he comes back with an up for another audience and says, sir, how do you make right decisions? He, he said, by making wrong ones. A lot of times wisdom comes through what not to do. That's why it says, listen to your mom and dad. They've been there, done that. Amen? The next mom is, okay, what are the moms? What moms have we had? Moms of hope. Who have we covered? Come on. Faith-filled, warrior mom, 
Wise mom. How about the desperate mom? Any desperate mamas in here today? Anybody ever, mom, ever been dead? Nobody's raising their hand. I'm going to preach to Kelly. All right, you and me. I'm not a mom, but we're both desperate. This is for you. Okay, another desperate mom. Any other desperate moms in the house? We've got to cut some over here, some desperate. Look, desperation moves God. So pretend like you're desperate if you need something in your life. Desperation moves God just like the desperation of your child moves you. We were praying for prodigals today. That's children who have gone away from the Lord. In pre-service prayer, we're praying that they come back. And I think it was Mary... Uh, or Gary, one of you guys, that said that God has put his desperation, his passion for his lost children into the hearts of parents. He uses the heart, the love of a mom or a dad to pray God's prayers for wayward children. Desperation moves God. He's not a robot. He's passionate. 1 Samuel 1, 10 through 18. This woman was barren. Uh, his, her husband's other wife, because back then you could have multiple wives, had many children. Hannah was barren. So she says this. Hannah was in deep anguish. Moms, you ever been in deep anguish before? You can identify with Hannah. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies. I love that title. If you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. That was a Nazarite vow back then. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. The Eli was the priest, the pastor at the time. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. He wasn't a very discerning (laughs) spiritual leader. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. I love that. My favorite verse in the Bible is trust the Lord at all times, people. God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart to Him. He already knows what's in your heart, your fears, your dreams, your greeds, your lusts, your hopes, your losses, your anguish. Pour it out to Him. And that, 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 that invites Him into it. And now he'll start talking to you about it because you're talking to him about it. And he'll give you wisdom and hope and help. Don't think I'm a wicked woman for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. What a woman of faith, huh? He said it. Lord, he's your pastor, or he's your man of God, he's your priest, he's your prophet. He said it. I believe it. Walked away. And she produced one of the greatest prophets in the entire Old Testament. 
as a young boy, like five to seven years old, he heard the audible voice of God. And God said that he did not allow any word that came out of Samuel's mouth to fall to the ground, but it came to pass. Could you imagine having that kind of power? There'd be a lot of people that would have all sorts of problems in their lives because I'd be prophesying doom on them, right? I mean, that's some serious weight. Whatever comes out of your mouth will come to pass. I personally do not want that power. That would be, wow. But this son that she cried out to God in her anguish, God responded and answered her prayer and gave her a son that was anointed King Saul, the first king of Israel, anointed King David. What a son. I was talking to my sister today, and she always desired to have many children. And she had one son. It was when she was uh, 16, she had him. And uh, we were talking about that today. I called her on the way down the hill just to say happy Mother's Day to my sister. And I was talking about her desire to have other children. And I said, but you know, look at the son that you do have. What a man. God. She said, I know. I know. She told me the story about how the Lord spoke to her and said that it was actually his will that she only have one child. And she was out to lunch with someone before she she didn't even say this to her friend. They're having lunch and the spirit of the Lord came on her friend and said, the Lord just spoke to me and said, you were only to have one child, that he was to be an only child for whatever reason. And until she settled into that and accepted it as the will of God, which we'll get to in just a a minute, as we're going to come to close here in just a few minutes, this is great for the last point, so hang on. Once she submitted to the will of God and set her desires aside and adopted the desire of God for her life, she began to see how blessed she really is. And she said, and I have seven grandchildren through him. And he is a godly man with a godly wife and godly children. I mean, and so she goes on to say this, sir, do you remember? This is her presenting her son to the priest after he was weaned. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked, I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago, praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy. And he has granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord. And he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. I'm going to jump down to the last mom. The mom we're going to skip today is the persistent mom. Let me just say to you very quickly because we're running out of time. I just want to say to you very quickly about the persistent mom. This is the one that came to Jesus. She was a Syrophoenician woman, non-Jewish, didn't have a covenant with God. She comes to Jesus because her her daughter was demon-possessed, begging Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus, it could seem like he was being insensitive because he said, hey, no, miracles are just for God's people. You're not one of God's people. But he was provoking her to push through the racial barriers and through her uh, unworthiness. I mean, anything, it looks like he was being insensitive to her, but God is not insensitive. God is loving, God is just, God is fair. So whenever he's doing something that looks unloving, unjust, or unfair, it's not. 
there's something is the purpose behind it. Like the guy that came to him, what must I inherit? How, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This this young rich ruler comes and throws himself down in front of Jesus in public. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him a few things. He goes, I've done all that. But Jesus knew what his real problem was, and it was greed. He said, okay, give all your money to the poor and come follow me. Now, that's not God's word to everybody, but it was to this guy, because Jesus knew this guy won't make it if he wants to follow me, because he's greedy. And the guy was sad and turned around and walked away from Jesus. You know, you see, you see Jesus trying to provoke people beyond their barriers all throughout his ministry. This was one of them. And she broke through that barrier. If you know the story, you know, she said, even the dogs get crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he said, woman, your faith has healed your daughter. Go in peace. He was provoking her faith. It was buried under cultural racism and unworthiness and other issues we don't have time to get into. And she broke through them and got her miracle. It was the persistent mom pressing through, pressing through, pressing until she got from God what her daughter needed. Can I hear an amen? amen? And the last one is the humble mom. And this is the mother of Jesus. Now, we have to understand the context here. Mary's about maybe 13, 14 years old. In that culture, that was acceptable. And an angel, Gabriel, the messenger angel from heaven, comes and tells her. Um, now, she's engaged to Joseph. And in that culture, in that small town, in that Jewish culture, you know, everybody knows everybody. I was just somebody, I think it was one of my daughters came, was it you and I? came home and said, I was down at the grocery store and I saw so-and-so and then I saw so-and-so and then I saw so-and-so. And I was like, yeah, we live in, a, that's, what it means, that's what it's like when you live in a small town, right? I mean, you live in Ramona and everybody just knows everybody, right? I mean, your dad has a dang billboard as you're walk, driving into town. Oh, there's Blake's dad on the billboard as you go into town, right? I mean, everybody just knows everybody. Well, in this town, it's a, even a smaller town and it's uber-religious and the, the, the spiritual moral norms are like in the fabric of society. And the one thing you do not do is have a child out of wedlock. That brings shame on the family. And so she has to come out of her prayer time and tell her husband... Uh, <clears throat> An angel appeared to me. First of all, yeah, an angel appeared to you? Okay, what did the angel say? Well, uh, but look, look what she says to the angel. Luke one thirty eight. I belong to the Lord. Mamas, can you say that today? Young lions on the front row, can you say that today? Everybody, can you say that today? I belong to the Lord. Can you say that? Say it. I belong to the Lord. If you don't, then you will argue with him when he tells you what he's going to do in your life. Remember last week? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Hands handle and control. 
God's hands in your life. You have to come to a place where you trust. That's what I was talking to my sister about. Why well, I said it applies to this point better than the previous point. Where she finally uh, yielded to God's plan for her life was to have one child. And then she said to me today, you know, now that I look back on my life, if I had more than one child, it would not have worked. Because what God did in my life, she's like 65 now, and she says, when I look at my life now, having more children would not have worked. She said, it just wouldn't have worked. You see, we have to trust God's plan for our lives. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And don't do an Abraham and Sarah and force a situation and end up with a situation, if you know what I'm talking about. For those that don't, just hang around, you'll learn about it. She is told by the angel, you're going to be pregnant, but it's not by a man, it's by God. And it's going to be a supernatural pregnancy. You're a virgin. You've never known a man. Oh, and by the way, the child that's in you is going to be the son of God. Okay. Sell that to your husband, to your relatives, and to the rest of the community. She knew by saying, I belong to the Lord, body and soul. Let it happen as you say. She knew by saying yes to the Lord, she was going to be mocked, criticized, rejected, ostracized, known as the woman who got pregnant outside of marriage, and she's crazy. I mean, walking down the village road, going to the market. Going to the relative's house. She now is tagged, named, labeled. Crazy. She thinks God impregnated her and that the Messiah is inside her womb. Of course, you know, God helped Joseph. Because the same angel came to Moses, uh, Joseph and said, by the way, it's true. He needed that. Amen. But they knew, they were, you know, it was over for them. But the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Do you think the mother Mary has been a little bit exalted? Not in her lifetime she wasn't, but she obeyed the will of God, went to heaven a victor, and for the last 2,000 years, she's been beyond exalted. Some even worship her. Humble obedience, following Jesus is going to cost you. I'm going to tell you this, and you, 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 and you. Following Jesus will cost you friendships. It may cost you positions in business and in companies. It's going to cost you your own will, your pride, stubbornness, desires. It will cost you. You go to other countries where I've gone, it costs you their life. When I was over in India and Africa, I'm walking with people, going to share the gospel. They all know someone who has been tortured or murdered or is in prison for their faith in Christ. When they send their disciples out to go witness for the day, they don't know if they will ever see them again. Because of their environment. Okay, we may lose a friend, 
Somebody may think we're weird. You know, we call that persecution. But whatever it is, following Jesus is going to cost you. However, you will be rewarded greatly by God. Not only in heaven, but in this life too. There's always a blessing for humble obedience. Look at this scripture says. And this has to do, we'll close with this. This has to do with moms. As you humbly obey God, even when it costs you, your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and generations to come will be blessed because of your obedience. Look at this. Genesis 17, 7. I will confirm my covenant with you, mom, and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Claim that promise, mom. And look at this one. Remember we talked about, we'll come full circle now, where I talked about how we talk so much about generational curses. Let's talk about generational blessings. Look at this one. Exodus 26. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Mamas, walk with God so your faith will impart to the next generation. Get as much faith as you can from God in your walk so it imparts, it transfers through your spiritual DNA. Let your ceiling be their floor. Let them walk in faith because they've seen their mom and dad walk in faith and get answered prayers and they've seen it. So it's normal to them. Be that person. Be the warrior mom. Fight for your kids. Fight for them. Be the mother of Israel. Stand up and say, my children belong to the Lord. My grandchildren belong to the Lord. And pray for them. Be the wise mom. You have wisdom. Lay your hand on your children. Prophesy over them. If you're a desperate mom, pray those big, fat, desperate prayers with liquid, with tears called liquid prayer. Pray those prayers. They shake heaven. Be the persistent mom. Don't give up like that woman who pressed through until Jesus gave her what she wanted. And be the humble mom that says, my body and my spirit belong to the Lord. Be it unto me as you say and nobody else. Let me pray a blessing over you today. Moms, what mom are you today? What mom do you need to be? What mom do you want to be? See yourself today as a mom of hope. God, I pray for the mama bears to rise up. I pray for the warrior moms to rise up, God. I pray, Father, today for the faith-filled moms to impart faith to their children. I pray, God, for the wise moms to share their wisdom, speak truth into this generation. Pray for the desperate moms 
God hear their prayers, Father. You said you will speedily answer the cries of your children, the crowds unite in day. God, answer the cries of the desert moms in here today. God, we pray for the persistent moms not to throw in the towel ever. We pray for them, Father. Strength to persist for the benefit of their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. And God, I pray for every mother in here, every person in here, every Christian in the sound of my voice to be humble and obedient, God, so we can all say our spirits and our bodies belong to the Lord. Be it unto us as you say. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's all stand. Let's worship. You are here moving in darkness. I worship you. I worship you. In the darkness, my God, that is who you are. For you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Right in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here. You are here. You turn the lives around. I worship. I worship you. I worship you, you are here, you are here, mending every heart, I worship you, I worship you, let's sing it out together, you are, you are, way maker, miracle worker, promise me, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, for you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, 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 oh, that is who you are, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Oh. the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, 
says to honor your mother and father, it will go well with you. How many of you want it to go well with you? Just let me see your hands. You want it to go bad with you or well with you? And you'll live long on the earth. You know, you want, you want it to go well and have a good life. Many times it's hard to honor your mother and father because they're human and their brokenness has afflicted you and you're still trying to get over it. However, and it's a big however, and this is true. So often... You see, God designed your mom and dad in his image. And so often, what were their weaknesses were actually the strengths that were broken. Their strengths that were pushed too far and became a weakness. Something happened to them along the way that made them the way they were, and they got distorted too. And here's the reason I bring that up. If you will choose to see their weakness was actually a strength that was twisted or perverted or broken and honor that their strength their strength will benefit you because as long as you curse them you're not going to get the blessing There is a partnership in receiving the blessing from your parents, and that is honor your mother and your father. This is the way you get through to honoring them, is recognizing God hardwired them a certain way with divine attributes, and I can honor that. My dad was stubborn. Well, God made him strong. God, I received my father's strength. My mom was, I can't say anything because she's watching. And so that was this, and I honor that. And I get that. You're perfect, mom, you know that. So as I call the prayer teams up, that might be a word for you. And I'm telling you, I've done this. You do that, and it shifts, something changes. And the God designing your mom and dad get imparted to you. And you begin operating and their strengths that had become weaknesses. And so I'm going to ask the prayer teams 
to just slip out of your chairs, come up front. Also, if you need physical healing in your body, you need a miracle, you want to be prophesied over, you need a fresh infilling to the Holy Spirit, moms, you just may want a blessing, a Mother's Day blessing, just move out of your seat and come up. And uh, these prayer teams are going to lay hands on you. They're going to pray over you. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before. Today's your day. All you have to do is turn to Jesus and say, I need a Savior. I need my sins forgiven. I need to be right with God. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. You do that online and give us a comment. Come up front and let them pray over you. And God is going to bless you. Well, God bless you. Moms, grandmas, great-grandmas, God bless you. May God's face shine upon you today. His joy fill your heart and His blessings fill your life. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. 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 Amen.